Hello everyone, this is Caleb, your GM. A quick word before our show today. I done messed up, folks. This episode was recorded May of last year. I bring this up because at that time, we'd only just began publishing these episodes, and I was transitioning my mindset from regular in-person sessions to sessions that are made to be enjoyed by an audience. So with my mind thinking about how I'd regularly do a session in real life, I had the guys over to my house for not one, but two sessions in a row because of some complicated combat sessions. This is similar to episode nine of our first chapter, A Brush With Death, where the entire Frozen Room battle took place in real life because of its complications. While I'm sure that my players enjoyed the intricacies that a battle map provides, it is only now that I realize that we have robbed you guys of these two sessions. But were we not? Much like in episode nine, I'm gonna dramatize what happened for your enjoyment. I thought it worked out very well in that episode and I'm sure you'll enjoy it today as well. The good news is that every single future episode has been recorded and I won't have to do this again. I appreciate your guys' support and love you all so much. I hope you enjoy today's program. Last time on Trailblazers, Dave began working off his debt with Lin Kuei. After he completed some of his tasks, one of which being the escort of a newly acquired servant girl, David had some short downtime, which he spent watching a fight in the stronghold. There, David was visited yet again by creatures from his world that he had interacted with before. The other two poison gas users they had not killed during their first encounter with them. David survived this second encounter, though the two creatures did not, and perished, leaving David little answers. He got help from a dryad working for the Lin Kuei in order to try and find Kaiser Soze in an attempt to stop the unending tide of assassins breathing down his neck. Will David be able to find Soze? Can he survive his time working for the Lin Kuei? What could possibly come for him next? Find out this week on Trailblazers! Two days have gone by since the attempt on David's life by the two young men with gas grenades. His higher-ups have shown no interest in helping him stop this incursion of creatures from his world into this one. But David had put into motion his own plan. He asked a dryad to use her nature and ability to blend in and talk with the trees to find this Kaiser Soze, perhaps the author of his troubles. David found out that this was not such a good idea. For awakening in the middle of the night, he found the dryad weakenly trying to talk to him. The dryad said she had found Soze and was tracking him, but she was not as stealthy as she had first imagined. Kaiser had took a stroll into the woods and walked straight up to the tree that the dryad's life was connected to. For each dryad comes from a tree and has its life force connected to it. Kaiser approached it and quickly fell it before the dryad could stop him. She ran with all her might to David and tried to tell him what happened before she passed. In David's arms, she wilted away with only one last word. Why don't you let anyone care about you? With that, she perished. David didn't have much time to consider his present circumstances as he and Jude were given their next orders in the morning. There was a murder in town, something that, previous to the party showing up and the troubles Malpass wrought, had not occurred in Antioch in some time. David and Jude were ordered to investigate the murder, find the culprit, and bring him to justice. After investigating the scene, it became clear that the murder was done by a lycanthrope, werewolf most likely. David's previous interaction with those under that curse helped him come to this conclusion. But it was Jude's aptitude and ways with nature that helped track the creature to one of the derelict, gigantic spheres that populated the countryside. This was quite an accomplishment, since ever since that morning a hurricane had begun to set in. Hurricane had brought with it ever-increasing winds, and the party was relieved when they finally made their way inside the giant sphere. Inside, Jude used his connection with nature to gaze upon what had last entered through this place, and the vision Jude received was of a metal boot heavily clinking down the hallways of this place. 
This perplexed the two of them, since they thought they had been tracking a werewolf, not an armored knight. Venturing deeper into the place, the party was stopped in their tracks by an otherworldly sound. The doorway that the party had entered from was frozen over, blocking it, and with its back to the doorway facing them was none other than Victor Freeze. Victor spared no words and immediately attacked the party with his freeze gun, and the party ventured further into the room. They soon discovered it was a practical maze. Victor shouted out an order as he began hunting them down. Mongrel, find them and destroy them. Remember, David's the main target. Kill his companion if you must, but David is the priority. He must perish. The werewolf they had been hunting began engaging with David, while Jude set his sights on Freeze. He loosed an arrow, but Freeze's armor had made him impervious to all attacks except from the back. Realizing this, Jude positioned himself on the catwalk and fired another arrow at Freeze, striking him in the back. I am not like the other dull-witted creatures we've sent after you. You'll find I can adapt to my surroundings. Can you? Freeze used his gun to shoot at and freeze the catwalk above him, collapsing it under the weight of the ice, sending Jude back down to ground level. By this time, David had dispatched the werewolf, being careful not to get bit, and the party hid in the dark, waiting for the perfect time to strike. Freeze did not appreciate this. Think you can hide from me? Think you have the advantage here? I was smart enough to enlist help from the denizens of this world. I was smart enough to make sure I engaged you on my terms and in a place I set up. You don't think I was smart enough to prepare for you hiding in the dark? Freeze released small flying robots that spread across the room, searching for the party. The party tried to outmaneuver them, but were unsuccessful as one of them found David. Freeze's fist flew through the wall, grabbing David and pulling him through. David managed to escape his grasp, and Jude sent his owl to distract Freeze. As Freeze took aim at it, David shot him in the back. Freeze turned around and used his gun to make a wall of ice right behind him, protecting his back from attacks from the same angle again. Ugh. You may have fooled me once, but don't think that'll work again. The party took down all the sensors, and the hunt began again, but this time Freeze was working everything to his advantage. As he was searching for the party, he was freezing the floor, making it more difficult for the party to reverse it. He was freezing different pathways, reducing the ways the parties could come at him. The party had tried and missed him several times. Each time, Freeze would make a wall of ice, so that the party had to reposition themselves after every shot. And Freeze even froze Jude, though he had broken out of it while Freeze was busy trying to frighten David. In a desperate attempt to defeat him, Jude stepped out into Freeze's line of sight, and Freeze took aim at him and froze him giving David the perfect shot, and he took it. One chance, David shot and nailed a solid blow at Freeze's back. Freeze collapsed to the floor, and it seemed the fight was over. David put a gun to Freeze's head and interrogated him, demanding answers, and Freeze complied. David always came back to the same question. Why they hunted him, and why Kaiser wanted him dead. You want to know why? Why we hunt you? Why we want you dead? Your death is the guarantee that we must have. But mistake me not. Kaiser is no leader of mine. I came to kill you not because he ordered me, though I let him think that. I came to kill you because I understand what it means if you die. Kaiser is my equal, and while I'll have you dead for the same reasons he would, he only thinks I serve him. I am my own master. 
I am not like those other dour-witted creatures that you have engaged with before. Hearing this, David entreated Fries to join him, stroking his ego, enticing him to kill someone who he perceived as their common enemy. Fries gave his response. Very well. I'll help you. Together we'll put him down, and I will show him once and for all that he does not control me, and that I am his better. Let me go, and I'll bring you to see Kaiser Soze. After hearing this, David pulled the gun away from Freeze's head and allowed Freeze to get up. Freeze, mocking that he was fixing his suit, instead activated a self-destruct feature and grabbed David, not letting him go. Do you want to see Kaiser? I'll send you to see him. In hell! David emptied his gun into Freeze, ran over to a frozen Jude, dragged him out of the room, and the place exploded. David and Jude survived. David broke Jude out of the ice and braved the ever-increasing storm to return to the stronghold. At the stronghold, they were debriefed and told to stand by for further orders. While they tried to get some shut-eye, they were constantly woken up by cracks of thunder and loud winds. The lightning began to strike at the stronghold and was so fierce that it had broken large chunks off of the floating building. David noticed people running around and went out to see what was happening. The stronghold was being abandoned. It appeared as if the order had been given for everyone to leave the stronghold. As David and Jude were escaping with everyone else, Ashitaka came across them and ordered them to follow him. They were going against the flow, going deeper into the stronghold, as everyone else was trying to get out. As they were following Ashitaka, they began to hear music ring throughout the stronghold. Ashitaka brought them into the armory and began handing them item after magical item, and then began leading them to the roof. On the way, Ashitaka told them that Orokusaki had gone mad and that he was the one who was causing the storm. He told them how everyone was so loyal that none would oppose his will, but Ashitaka would not stand idly by and simply watch Oroku destroy the world. Ashitaka explained to them how Orokusaki took his honor guard and was held up on the roof, and how he was using a terrible machine to bring a fierce storm that would not only destroy Antioch, but would consume the world. The party's trip to the roof was not easy and fraught with constant debris from the collapsing stronghold blocking their way. The party even had to climb on the outside of the stronghold at times, bearing the storm and the lightning bolts, but eventually made it to the top. There they came across Brom, the bard, and dozens of his shadows performing the symphony they had been hearing. Ashitaka asked him to step aside, and Brom explained that he was merely obeying the Grand Master and performing for him. Before he could say any more, David grew impatient and rinsed the bard with a shot between the eyes. Ashitaka did not have time to scold David and quickly brought the party up the final staircase and onto the roof. At the far end was Oroku Saki, Grand Master of the Lin Kuei and author of so many of David's troubles. Standing next to him was an iron-clad knight, covered head to toe in gleaming armor and wielding a giant great axe. In between the party and them were the Warvians, Oroku's honor guards, and the party felt a looming presence from above, as they could swear that when the lightning struck, they could see something surfing in the clouds above them. But even though each of these things was astounding in and of itself, it was the weather machine that caught their eyes the most. Behind Oroku was a machine with three rods inserted into it and three ports. Two ports were connected to giant vats that had humans suspended in them. One of them the party recognized as the girl they had taken from her mother a few days ago under the orders of the Lin Kuei. David screamed over the noise of the hurricane, demanding to know why Oroku was doing this. Oroku addressed the party. Why does anybody do anything? We're just bugs on a rock in a void. See, I believe we were a mistake. Life, Earth. I believe it is each man's duty to correct the mistake that nature made. Extinguish mankind to the pathetic match that it is. 
With that, Oroku turned and stuck his arm into the third port of the machine. The machine began to whir and make noise and spark like never before, and the weather became even more fierce. Oroku pulled his arm out, and it was completely drained. It looked as if skin stuck to bone with nothing in between. Oroku put that arm behind his back and gave the order to kill the party. The party was not so willing to comply. The party engaged in an epic fight. With each victory over an enemy, they got one step closer to Oroku and the machine. But the progress was halted when a massive green dragon, a northern dragon, screamed through the sky and landed in between them and Oroku. With its devastating claws, it tore into David. And over what must have felt like hours, the party dueled with the creature. Whenever it would return to the skies, it would rain its breath weapon from above, and it would cast spells creating mist and fire all around them. The party persevered, and the only thing between David and Oroku was the knight. David's gun proved effective versus the knight, and David put him down, discovering that the knight was indeed his old ally, Phoenix Augustgrad, under the effects of a magical necklace. David had no time to consider this, as he saw Jude had reached Oroku. Oroku simply smiled the sound of an avalanche was heard from above, and with a gigantic clash, the dragon had thrown its body into Jude at full speed, crushing him beneath its weight. Oroku turned his attention to David, but with only one good arm, David did enough damage to Oroku to get past him. David shoved his arm into the machine and stared at Oroku as he did it. Oroku screamed no as the machine was overloaded. The machine shook and yawned as it absorbed so much energy from David. David tore himself away from the machine in pain, looking at a frail, decrepit left arm that was left him. It had done its job, though, as the machine was overloaded with too much energy and exploded, releasing a massive beam of energy into the sky. The beam soared past the sky, splitting the clouds in its wake, and struck the moon, shattering it into pieces. The explosion knocked David back, and his head slammed against the roof. David's world became black. <laughs>